We're glad you're here today, and we invite you to open our Bibles, open your Bibles to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. And Jesus is going to be asked an important question by John the Baptist. This passage parallels Luke 7, and we're going to put the passages, the parallel passages uh, on the projector. I invite you to read Luke 7 closely. We may call attention to a couple of these connections, uh, but, but not everything in the text that differs. But in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11 verse 2, the text says, Now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. The text in Luke will ask that question, are you the expected one? Or should we look for someone else? It asks that question twice. It has John asking his disciples that and then his disciples asking the same question to Jesus. The Gospel of Luke is particularly highlighting there whether Jesus is this expected one. You still get that emphasis here, but even stronger in Luke. In verses 2 through 6, John is asking Jesus about who he is. In verses 7 through 15, Jesus is explaining who John is. As these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But this generation has accepted neither. In verse 16, 
But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to other children and say, We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. John the Baptist. Are you the expected one? Are you the one we're looking for? Does it surprise you that John asked that question? And this is the John who said, after me is coming one greater than I. And I am not unworthy to untie his sandals. When Jesus came to be baptized of John in Matthew 3, John says, I have need to be baptized of you. When he was baptized, the Bible says the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And this was evidence to John that this was the Christ, according to John 1, verses 29 to 34. And John announces, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John announces that in John 1. Does it surprise you that this John would send disciples to Jesus and ask, are you the expected one? Or do we look for someone else? What do we know about John since then? In Matthew 4 and verse 12, The Bible tells us when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. Verse 2 tells us when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent this word to Christ to ask, are you the expected one? Or do we look for someone else? And then in Matthew 14, we will find yet another reference to the imprisonment of John. And we will be told the rest of the story. For that will result in his his execution. And as John is in prison, hearing of the mighty works of Jesus, hearing of the great things that he's done, 
and hearing of his miracles, but maybe things aren't going the way he expected, and particularly for him, things aren't going the way he expected. And so he asked this question, are you the expected one, or should we look for someone else? The following is a quote from Tack Chumley or Kenny Chumley's commentary. I left out the verb is, the linking verb is, in the first part. When fortune is reversed, when injustice reigns and righteousness is punished, it's normal to question things surely believed. Now think about that statement. Think about that statement. It is true. When injustice reigns and when we suffer as a result, to all of a sudden wonder, are we sure? Are we sure about this? Are we sure that this is right? I don't think John's question should completely surprise us. For we are told the account in the Old Testament of a writer who says in Psalm 73 verse 2, As for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. I came close to stumbling. I came close to slipping. And he goes on in that passage to describe what it was that almost caused his feet to stumble. What it was is that the wicked were prospering. Things were going well with them. He saw the prosperity of the wicked and there are no pains in their death. And their body is fat and they are not in trouble like other men. And yet when he contrasted that with his own experience in verse 13, he said, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. Can you imagine? Imagine John the Baptist saying those same kinds of things as he saw the prosperity of the wicked Herod who defied God and did not care about man. As he saw his prosperity and things going well with him and him and John knowing that he has been a messenger of God, a prophet of God. And he's in prison. I can understand the question. I also like the answer. The Bible tells us that when John sends his messengers and says, are you the expected one? Or should we look for someone else? 
Maybe we should point out that right here, Luke 7, verse 21, adds this statement. This is not in the Gospel of Matthew. Luke 7, 21. At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So as John's disciples are asking this question, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? At that very time, Jesus is doing many of these type miracles that he was referenced to. But Jesus said, you go tell John. You go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. Go tell John the blind receive their sight. Now first of all, many of these miracles that are described in these passages are things that he has just done. The blind receive their sight. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 31, there are two blind men that were crying out, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O son of David. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want to see. And Jesus opened their eyes that they could see. He said, you go and tell John that the blind receive their sight. And you go and tell him that the lame walk. Remember one day as Jesus was teaching in Capernaum, and the house was so full that no one could get in through the door. And four men carrying their paralyzed friend to Jesus climb up on the roof. And they dig through the roof. And they let down their friend in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, my son, your sins are forgiven. But he said, that you may know that I have the power to forgive sins. I say to this man, arise, take up your mat and walk. And the paralyzed. You go tell John, the blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed. A man who was full of leprosy came to Jesus in Matthew 8, verses 2 through 4, and said, Lord, I know if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. And Jesus reached forth his hand and touched him and made him clean. He said, you go tell John that. And you tell John that the death here. There was a man brought to Jesus in Matthew 9 verses 32 through 34 who was mute, apparently unable to speak or unable to hear. And Jesus cast the demon out and he was able to speak. And able to hear. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The dead are raised up. As Jesus goes to the house of Jairus and his daughter is dead. And he says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And the dead arises. He said, you go and tell John what you've seen. What you've heard. And you tell them that the poor have the gospel preached to them. In those moments, when you are troubled with the difficulties of life, and they overwhelm you so that you doubt 
things that you may hold so certain at this particular moment. Look back at what Jesus did. You look at what he did. And I would suggest too, you study the evidence for what he did. First of all, begin just looking at the biblical accounts and see what you see. In the Bible accounts, do you see people question whether Jesus really did a miracle or not? You know what you do find in the gospel accounts? You find that some of his enemies stationed people before him on a Sabbath day because they want him to heal on a Sabbath day so they might accuse him. You see that in Mark 3 in verses 1 through 6. You see people like the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12 who say he does miracles by the power of Beelzebub. They can't deny a mighty work has been done. They can only attribute it to an evil source, attribute it to the devil. They criticize him for healing on the Sabbath. They say he does power by the power of the devil. But Peter could stand up on the day of Pentecost among some who would listen and become Christians and some who would not. And says he did signs and miracles and wonders among you as you yourselves know. And Jesus tells them to tell John blessed is he who does not take offense at me blessed is he who does not stumble over me now that word stumble or take offense It is an important word in the Gospel of Matthew. And let me tell you, there are different things that can cause people to stumble. We want to come back to this passage in just a moment. But look at Matthew 5, verses 29 and 30, which use this same word. Matthew 5, verses 29 and 30, which will use this same Greek word. It says, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. These verses are talking about some some great desire within us, some strong urge to fulfill itself in a sinful way that must be curbed. And the Bible is saying, it is saying that if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. It may be a strong desire that causes us to fall away, to stumble. In Matthew 26, 
Jesus said to his disciples in verse 31, you will all fall away because of me this night. Here, they are going to be tempted to fall away because of some intense opposition and hostility. It can be some great personal temptation. It can be some great trial that we face where we must stand for Jesus or die. And we can be scandalized. We can be caused to fall away. And it could be that someone else leads us down the wrong path. In Matthew 18 and verse 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble. I think we can all relate to these passages. But what is the idea of stumbling at Jesus? How do we stumble over him? The word is used in this same kind of way in Matthew 13. If you'll look over there. In Matthew 13, Jesus went to his hometown synagogue at Nazareth and he was preaching and teaching. Originally, the crowds were astonished at his words in verse 54. But then... They ask among themselves, verse 55, verse 56, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all this? Notice verse 57. And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. Jesus said, blessed is the one who does not take offense at me, who stumble over me. Let me try to illustrate. This was a person, the, the person I'm relating to here is the mother in this scenario. But this was a person who was a family of great faith. They had several children. And one of their children receives a horrible diagnosis. A diagnosis that projected that their son would be dead within a couple of years. They prayed fervently. They asked everyone they knew to pray fervently. They reached out so that people everywhere were praying for this person. There were moments when he showed signs of getting better. We visited with her again the last week of her son's life. 
And she said, when the doctors came to us and they told us the diagnosis, when we had setbacks along the way and things did not go as we had hoped, I still always thought that he was going to live. And she said, I have just come to the realization that our son is going to die. That he's not going to live. God is all powerful. God who can open the eyes of the blind, cleanse the lepers, open the ears of the dead, and raise the dead. The God who can do this doesn't always act the way that we think he would act. Sometimes we pray fervently for someone and they get better. And sometimes we pray just as fervently and they die. Blessed is the one who does not suffer over me. We never know what we're going to say. Last week there were a lot of parents in Texas who didn't know what they would say. This week. We never know what we're going to say. And sometimes we see God's power demonstrated in times of life and difficulties of life that it's hard not to recognize God's hand was involved. I've known people who have talked to doctors who weren't believers. And the doctors were so astonished at the progress the patient made or the healing the patient experienced. They said, somebody was praying for you because we did not do this. And that happens. And I believe we should give God thanks for all those occasions. But what if you keep preaching and you keep speaking and you're put in prison and no deliverance is coming and execution takes place? Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Blessed is the one who keeps trusting, who keeps relying, who keeps looking to God in spite of life's difficulties and life's questions. J.R. gave me a quote between Bible class and a sermon 
which I didn't think I would use so quickly. There are questions about the Bible and about God I cannot answer. But there are also answers that I can't question. There are answers I can't question. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, how in the world do you even explain the survival of Christianity? How do you explain it? Not to embarrass you, but to ask you a question and to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you know who Simon Bar Kosova is. How many of you know? Now, some people are shy because I think some way in this crowd knows. You don't know. He claimed to be the Messiah. He had one of a million followers. We have actually found from a cave around Palestine what we believe, now don't you get this, was his actual handwriting. We have something that came from him. But you don't know about it. Because when he died, his movement collapsed. It disappeared. And he becomes simply a footnote of history as a failed Messiah. Why didn't that happen to Jesus? Why didn't it happen? Because he was raised from the dead. And when you have questions that you can't answer, and if those questions attempt you to... If they lead you to the point of desperation so that you're almost going to throw up your hands and quit it all, I want you to remember there are answers that we can't question. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. I had more prepared. But let us stop there and pray. Oh Lord our God. In the midst of the ups and downs of life and the difficulties that we face. We are sometimes weak. And we need your help. And we need your sustenance. For the world looks at certain events and they ask, where is God in the midst of these things? And sometimes, Lord, we're troubled 
with the questions because we've already asked them ourselves. But we are thankful that you have revealed yourself in the way you have. For Lord, apparently, it is adequate for all those who want you and want to seek you. There are some in this audience who are deeply worried over someone they love who is battling with their health. There are others that are dealing with personal pain themselves and and many others with problems that maybe no one else knows of. Particularly, Lord, we ask for those for whom life isn't fitting together at this time. That they not take offense, that they not stumble over you, but they keep trusting, they keep relying, they keep seeking your face. Help us, O God, to stand in awe of you of who you are and the prospect that one day you will make all right. It's for that we hope and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know too that this one who opened the eyes of the blind and cleansed the lepers and calls the lame to walk and raise the dead did not exempt himself from suffering. He did not exempt himself from suffering. But he brought himself back from the dead. Because of this, I believe. Because of this, you have a room full of people who believe. And if you believe that that is true, and you want to turn from your wrongs and turn from your sins, you believe that Jesus has died and rose again, and want to turn from your sins and repentance, acknowledging your faith in Him, being baptized in Him, we invite you to come as we stand. And as we sing. Jesus.